Hello, Andrew Denford, uh, founder and chairman of F1 in Schools, and I'm delighted to be with you here on Above and Beyond. And welcome once again to another episode of Above and Beyond, proudly brought to you by Re-Engineering Australia Foundation. You're with Rick Fontaine, and it is a great pleasure to welcome, not only on the program, but to welcome to Australia, as you heard, the founder and chairman of F1 in Schools UK, Andrew Dentford. Welcome, and welcome to Australia. It's always an exciting time of the year, beginning of the Grand Prix season, and you've come along here to the F1 uh, Schools National Final in Australia. Great to see you. Yeah, great to be here. Fabulous. Been here now three days, just about over the jet lag. <laughs> just as we're getting towards the uh, the end of it all here, but it is, uh, it's been an amazing few days and um, we might chat to you a little bit before we uh, talk about obviously your uh, enormous contribution, not only with the UK, but on, on the world stage as well. But uh, your impressions here coming back, uh, it's been a little while since you've been back here and seen uh, the finals in Australia. Yeah, yeah. 2007, we brought the world finals yeah. into Melbourne um, after our, our first few of in the UK and um, yeah it's just been an incredible success story over here and the students have risen to challenge of F1 in schools and they've uh, helped this uh, program grow immensely because of their dedication to it in a different way that a lot of other countries uh, would have done but of course that's led to many countries now following in their you know their leadership it is wonderful, and we see here, of course, um, over the, the last few days in e- each year, we, we're seeing more and more school, school children coming through and plenty of girls and boys that are, that are very passionate about it. But the, the thing I've noticed the most is it's not even so much the competition, particularly with those in development class who are the younger ones and they're, gen- they're just starting out. When I ask them, what's been your biggest takeaway? And it's not the competitive side of it, it's actually the learning that they're getting from the others as well. So it uh, shows the level of maturity already beyond their years, I guess, uh, compared to a lot of others in the industry that they're, they're going, that they're able to achieve something like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they obviously come here to, to try and win. Uh, we can't have uh, 38 winners, um, but a lot of them, as you say, just look at around them, take on some of the tips and hints of the teams of uh, views to get themselves to where they've uh, where they've got to with the standard of the pit display, the portfolios and the cars. Uh, but it, yeah, as you're right, rightly put it, they're really keen to just want to learn more and 95% of the ones I've spoken to will be coming back next year. It is uh, it is wonderful. Now let's go back uh, a little bit, Andrew, because uh, as as we mentioned in the in the intro, you are not only the chairman but you're the founder of F1 in Schools UK. Where did your I guess from a, from the beginning, where did your enthusiasm and, and passion and, and and eventual move into this part of the industry come on with in terms of uh, introducing us into schools? Well, it was really um, back in uh, late 90s and 2000 that we realised a massive shortage we got in the UK of engineers coming through the system, not just graduate engineers, but apprenticeships all the way through colleges and so forth. But it was coming apparent to me that at school level in design and technology, they were still making bird baths, bird tables, CD racks and doing nothing really that was challenging to the level that they should have been at. And uh, with the advent of accessible 3D software uh, going into schools in the early 2000s, it was then a, a tools available for them to start and create something that could have been designed in 3D and then of course manufacturing was something that we had to overcome. Luckily uh, it all coincided that CAM software would be um, available that would be easy to use and then of course our CNC machines that are the routers that manufacture the cars again 
had come to a level where they were making things much, much quicker than they were in the nine, uh, late, late, if you like, 80s and 90s. So the whole thing, CAD, CAM, CNC, had got to a point where we could deliver the outcomes to produce of, of a product that was um, designed within the classroom using 3D design. So what better way of introducing them to the, the advancement of CAD, CAM technology than using Formula One, which is a pinnacle of high-performance engineering. So that led me to come up with the idea of thinking, well, let's make a Formula One car. Mm. Uh, let's design it, let's put it through the computer-aided manufacturing software and let's produce it on a router. And of course, manufacturing it was quite complex, quite time-consuming. But ultimately, well, when they'd done that, racing it down the track just took over a second using these compressed gas cylinders. So the whole process was about designing, analysing, making, testing and racing. And the minute we put that in front of a bunch of students, there was no holding them back. It's fantastic. Getting it to that stage is one thing. It then needs support. Now, you pretty much bypassed everyone, didn't you, in Formula One and went straight to the top. Talk us through that journey to try and uh, convince the, uh, the then owner uh, that you need to get behind this and uh, and support what we're looking at in terms of the future. Yeah, that well, was a, a very interesting part of my life, to be quite honest with you, because uh, after getting the approval from uh, Bernie Eccleston to allow us to call the program Jaguar F1 team in schools because we had the support back in 2000 to 2005 from Jaguar uh, cars and, and Jaguar F1. Uh, when the news came that they'd actually left uh, the sport or been instructed to leave the sport by uh, Ford Motor Company, then they're linked with Formula One in schools, um, had to come to an end. And I, I called Mr. E. He, uh, he wasn't <laughs> in the office, but she assured me he called me back. And of course he did. A couple of hours later, there was a call. Um, we chatted for a minute or two and invited me for lunch down in London uh, the following Monday, which, um, believe it or not, was very empty in my diary by chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I made it down there and we went for lunch and had a uh, very, very interesting two or three hours. Uh, it was actually about two and a half hours and then a half an hour back in the office when I showed him a video, which attracted him to uh, the point where he was asking why were they all calling it F1 in schools when it was supposed to be called Jaguar F1 team in schools. And of course, at that point, I explained it was just way too long a word and way too long a, a name for a challenge. And um, he, uh, he introduced me to his lawyers and uh, they took a look at it and immediately they recalled that they'd have many, many schools asking him for funds and uh, Formula One for cash, which of course they'd never given to the schools. But it was just the point where we needed to get across to him the message that schools loved it. And I think he immediately fell in love with it and, and offered to give us a logo, which was F1 in schools from that point in 2005, yeah. Amazing. All over a uh, two and a half hour lunch period. And when the lawyers get called in, yeah. you know, something's about to happen. It's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. But it came out uh, really, really positively as well. Well, possibly because the students had written to Bernie yeah. and um, it passed them on to the lawyers. And in fact, they've written to the lawyers directly asking for cash to sponsor <laughs> their teams to get to regional. So had they not known about the program, it might have been a bit more difficult to explain it across to them. But they immediately got it. And they realised, I think, within Formula One that there was no corporate social responsibility or education initiative. And this ticked all their boxes as well. I guess the future as well, that we're going to see a number of these young students hopefully uh, decide that this is going to be a career path for them and indeed end up in uh, in Formula One with, with teams one day as well, whether it be as engineers or, or drivers as well. So it does help, I guess, give it a bit of a, um, uh, in terms of a future and a pathway for, uh, for the next generation that we're seeing now to one day be part of uh, part of the teams which we're going to need well they, they're already in there now i mean i've just been chatting to one of the judges who i didn't realize uh did f1 in schools and attended the world finals in 2009 in london uh he's now 28 years of age working for porsche in melbourne and the porsche cup but in the in the paddock and in, in the in the garages uh within 
each Formula One race. You'll see many, many of the alumni working now within Formula mm. One. In fact, I just met one of our ex-world champions, a guy called George Britton, who begins his first uh, Formula One race working trackside for Williams and uh, is ecstatic. Fantastic. Flew, yeah, flew here this morning. So Some great stories, isn't there? And uh, as the... F1 in schools program now is evolving uh, globally. What are you seeing? Are countries fairly similar in the direction and pathways that they're, they're taking? Do you see a lot of commonalities in, in the, I guess, the emerging nations? Certainly. I mean, obviously, we started this program in the UK, Australia, after meeting Mickey, initially saw the opportunity here and, and, and grabbed it. And REA have done you know, one of the best jobs anywhere in the world in terms of delivering standard that we see here over the last few days. So Australia, Germany, USA were the, if you like, the pioneering countries, then Malaysia, and we got very much entrenched in the in the Far East. And the model is very similar in each country. Um, it's all down to the passion and the, the management of the organisation that's delivering it. And we help where we, where we can. Um, it's not possible to get to every single country. But we have a rule book, we have a manual explaining how everything should be run. Rules and regulations are pretty much consistent right across the globe. The thing that never ever (laughs) um, ceases to amaze me is that that, that all the students all over the world all just want to learn, they all want to have fun and this action learning program will deliver everything that they want and they're all pretty much the same. Their aspirations for great jobs come through getting involved with F1 in schools, putting it on the CV, it, it without a doubt works. Andrew Denford is our special guest on Above and Beyond, founder and chairman of F1 in Schools UK. Now, on your travels that you see, are you constantly amazed in the evolution of, of technology? And you sometimes sort of wish our generation that... Uh, Goodness gracious me, I wish we had this sort of stuff for ourselves that we could have used back in the day. But what we're seeing now, not only what students are developing, but the uh, the technologies that they've got available to them to uh, to produce what they've got. Uh, does that constantly amaze you, the evolution that you're seeing? Oh, yeah. I mean, every time you turn up a, a regional or a national or, or as we hear um, in, in Australia, then you, their national final, the world finals especially, you'll just see things and wonder how the heck they came up with them. I mean, it's just... Things that industry probably don't even dream of. And and when the Formula One teams come to the world finals and look at the innovation in front of them in the pit displays and and even sitting and watching the verbal presentations, it, it blows your mind. Um, you know, there's augmented reality, there's virtual reality. They come up with their own games, uh, their own marketing initi- initiatives. They're using project management as if it's just a natural tool. Uh, we work with the Project Management Institute Education Foundation globally now to in- introduce F project management skills right at the, at the outset. It's like falling off a log. They're running a, these, these are mini businesses. So they've set themselves up between three and six students in a team. You've got a team manager, you've got a resource manager, aerodynamicist, wheel designer, sponsorship marketing manager. And basically they've, they've created this mini business with a, their own company name. And, and they, they run it as if it's going to be theirs for the rest of their lives and, and if their lives depend upon it. And when you look at the funding that they need to get to a regional, they've delivered everything they need to go out and present to big, big companies to get the funding in. And, and they pitch it as probably better than a lot of businesses would or individuals would, you know, when they're in their 20s and 30s. They've got no fear and they know all about running a business by the time they get to 18, 19 and 
and ready to go into the world of work. Yeah, there is certainly right. I think that there's certainly a generation now where there is very little or no fear at all. Now, in terms of your influences along along your journey as as, as you started out, who did you sort of look up to and and, and respect and, and I guess really motivated you? As your journey began, I guess when you look at when you get into Formula One world, and you, the first time you walk into the Formula One paddock and you work out trying to work out how the hell it works and and why, how all these people have flown all over the world to do whatever particular jobs they're doing, and then you from every side of it, whether it's the hospitality, the marketing, the management, or going into the uh, into the garage and seeing the mechanics uh, working every hour God sends to get you know those cars onto the grid and around the track for under two hours every other weekend. You, you look at it and think that that's one thing. Then you look at the actual nature of these people and, and how they've, they regard this job as a job for life. And, um, and it is a way of life too. You know, they're, they're away for 21 week race weekends a year plus testing. And the dedication that all of them show is just on another level. And of course that starts at the very top. So when you look at what Mr. Eccleston's created and of course he sold two, two and a half, three years ago, it's just second to nothing out there. You can't really equate any other motorsports uh, sector to what has been around in Formula One. So seeing his um, leadership and, and seeing what he created in, and, and producing such a incredibly precise business right across every asset of the, of the sport, it was has amazed me and, and, and kind of led me to want to do and create that within F1 in schools. And we've actually seen that evolve over the last... 20 years to, so that we are that mini Formula One factory in the classroom. Mm. So instead of 600 people, you might have six in the team, but they're all dedicated to doing exactly what the Formula One teams are doing in miniature. And uh, it's, it's fabulous to see. So Bernie Eccleson, the new Formula One group that's taken over, who've quadrupled the number of employees in, in Formula One Limited, uh, delivering it again to another level and, and another standard because now they're involving you know, digital, uh, all the multimedia aspects of it and, and all the new marketing tools and everything else that exists out there. You know, even Netflix now got two series and already in the can for covering Formula One and watching that makes you realise what an incredible sport we're involved in. Where do you think F1 in schools can go to? And what would you like to see? Where would you like to see it go? We'll be growing each year two or three more countries will join. We're into 51 countries now all around the world. We want to see each of those countries add more and more schools so more and more teams can compete, so more and more students can have this um, action learning and, and exciting opportunity to go to regional finals, national finals, travel, compete, meet new friends, but also give themselves all the skills that they need to prepare themselves for work. So the more schools, the more teams is where we want to see this grow. There's only a finite number of teams you can have at a world finals. So if we can put um, regional finals in place in uh, you know, the Americas, in the Middle East, in, um, in Asia, then we could open up so many more schools and students to take part in different countries. And I think that international collaboration is where we see this being the future for F1 in schools so that we have many, many more international collaboration partners involved and schools involved. Because, you know, if you travel, if you meet people from different countries, you learn so much more about life than you do sat in the classroom. And I think that's where we want to see this grow. Now, just finally, before we let you go, as you are well aware, there is Nothing more exciting for Australians to beat the Poms in any sport, whether it be football, cricket, rugby, 
chess, but F1 in schools, world finals. There's a great rivalry between the two nations. Um, from what you've seen here this week, your honest opinion, what advice would you give to our students that potentially or tomorrow night they'll be announced uh, who will represent Australia? What advice would you give them as they um, get prepared to face up to the English at the next world finals? I don't think there's a lot I need to tell them. What I've seen out there is at uh, an astounding level. I mean, as I said at the opening yesterday, that th- this is almost like a world final six, seven years ago. So the standard is there for sure. I think they've got every attribute that you need and they've proven that by becoming world champions six times to uh, when they next attend the world finals, they'll be in the top six, top seven, they always are. And, and there's no re- advice I need to give them. I think they've got all the skills. Um, they've got the determination. They've got that Australian winning or trying to win mentality. What we need to do, Polly and Moore, is create a UK... Australian collaboration so that we can all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> Very well politically put there, Andrew. You're impressed coming back to Australia. What, what do you love about the country on a personal level? Let's get out of uh, race mode for a moment, but uh, what do you enjoy about Australia? Oh, it's just relaxed. You know, you, the minute you get here, uh, you're welcomed. Everything seems to, to work. There's, there's there's no, seem, seems to be any issues out there, obviously, apart from the mm. coronavirus. And things are getting, yeah, things are very similar to the UK. But you do seem a bit more relaxed. You've got the weather on your side, for sure. You have hit the weather at a good time in Melbourne. I mean, we're getting to that. We're in the end of summer and Melbourne can be up and down, but uh, we've struck pretty good week. Yeah, yeah. And and great. And that's what attracts a lot of Brits over here, a lot of Poms. And and, uh, yeah, but I think uh, the the great thing is here that everybody seems to be on a level playing field. There's nobody really got uh, higher opinions of themselves than they they need to have. Uh, And that's what I think gives that... uh, balanced approach talking to these students that, that none of them have got these inflated opinions they've not got uh, any any egos that need knocking back and that's nice to see very much so well, the same could be said i think for for aussies traveling to the uk as well as we get set for um, uh, no doubt another great year in uh, f1 racing getting underway of course uh, here in melbourne this weekend uh, what are you expecting this year who, who should we be keeping an eye out on well, I mean, obviously the, the Brits are all rooting for Lewis to get his seventh world mm-hmm. title. There's obviously, it's going to be a very interesting year with the, the, the problems that we've got at, at present currently. Um, and we're just hoping we can get through the next couple of months and, and have a full season or as close to a full season as possible. So I think getting all the teams right through to the end of the season, safe and healthy, should be number one priority. Um, hopefully there'll be bit of uh, competitive racing on the way and I, and I think we should look watch out for, for McLaren. I think they could come good and maybe push for that third spot. I know my uh, old home country in the Netherlands are very excited about having a, a Grand Prix back in their country and of course uh, Max Verstappen, uh, such a promising young driver as well and uh, plenty of excitement. It's good to see that that the racing is not just from in one country, that we are seeing it uh, spread out a little bit more. So it's exciting to see some, some new circuits that drivers are going to experience for the first time. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the, the Dutch Grand Prix is going to be incredible. And Max is, you know, not much older. Some of our students mm. here and Lando Norris and, you know, you've, you've got the, the drivers that can relate to the students. And the great thing is that tomorrow we're going to be taking all these students through the paddock and they're going to get, get to meet these drivers and engage with them, which is something that, uh, yeah, going back 10, 15 years wouldn't, wouldn't have been thought of. No. And, uh, and that's what F1 in schools is gaining from this association with Formula One and, and it's very close association with all the Formula One teams. 
Well, you've played uh, an extremely important role in in the evolution of F1 in schools, Andrew, and it's a great pleasure to have you here in Australia again. Uh, welcome back. Great. And glad you've enjoyed the week. And uh, good luck to the Poms when it comes to the World Finals. But uh, as you've seen, the Aussies uh, are going really well. But look, it's been great to have you here on uh, Above and Beyond and uh, very grateful for your time to give us uh, some of that precious time uh, here today. Thank you very much for your hospitality. It's Andrew Denford, the founder and chairman of F1 in Schools UK. You've been listening to Above and Beyond, brought to you by Reengineering Australia Foundation. Mm-hmm.